So I want to talk for a couple of minutes today about indulgence. Do you want to be an indulgent person and what would you want to indulge? There's a uh, story from the author of Peter Pan, I think it was J.M. Barry, a uh, story that delighted him so much he stuck it in the script. There was some kid whose overindulgent mom was just letting him stuff his face with one sweet thing after another. And she didn't know what to do and she didn't know what to say. And she finally said to him, dear, you should stop eating all of that or you're going to be sick tomorrow. And he said, mother, I should be sick today. And then he jammed more candy into his mouth. We all have this temptation to indulgence. And it's a very important part of mastering life to learn how to deal with that. Martin Luther had a saying that I think was not original with him, but he cited one time he was writing about uh, Jesus' statement in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, about the nature of temptation. And he said, really, there's two kinds of temptation. There's the temptations that we experience when our will is thwarted, and then we become angry or discontent or resentful or feel like a martyr. But the other temptation that we experience is when our wills are flattered, and they receive no obstacles at all. And then we're pumped up or praised or we're tempted to become vain. And he says, this is actually the more dangerous one. So Luther said that um, when it comes to temptations, when it comes to thoughts that could lead us in wrong directions, it's like this. You cannot stop the birds from flying in the air, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Like, thoughts may come, I'd like to compare myself to this person, or I'm envious of that person, or it could be really fun to indulge some greed right here, or I'd like to experience a little bit of lust. Those kinds of things come, but there's a difference between then, the, the, the birds flying around in the air, and the first time a bird comes and brings a little twig and sticks it on my head, and then another twig. And if I don't do anything, as the twigs and sticks are being constructed together into a domicile for a bird, I cannot simply say now, well, I can't stop the birds from flying around. I am indulging certain thoughts and they're causing me to become a certain kind of person. To indulge is to gratify an appetite in the face of negative consequences that would be apparent to any reasonable person. So I want us to hold all of that in mind and to be thinking about what are the thoughts that I want to indulge today? What are the appetites? What are the ideas? As we reflect together on a description that Dallas Willard gives, this is a picture now when he's talking towards the end of the book, page 218, he's got a section on the nature of children of the light that is so beautiful that I was initially going to read the entire picture all at once, but it's too good, so I have to break it up. And we're going to move towards a sentence on indulging. And I want you to think about your inner life and what it would be like. 
Dallas says, let's draw together the results of our studies in these previous chapters to form a composite picture. Children of the Light is afraid that he uses from biblical terminology, which is just a way of saying that we have the nature of light as God transforms us. Light is their parent and is passed on to them its nature as any parent does. And he goes on. Now, these people are not perfect and do not live in a perfect world yet. But they are remarkably different. You know, that question is challenging to me. Of course, I'm not perfect. But am I remarkably different? The difference, and here's what's key, is not one of a pose they strike, either from time to time or constantly, or of things they do or don't do, though their behavior too is very different and distinctive. Where the children of light differ is primarily and most importantly on the inside of their life, in the unseen spiritual dimension. It lies in what they are in their depths. I was very struck here. I've mentioned that Sigmund Freud is known as the father of what is sometimes called depth psychology. But the reason that it is deep is it burrows down into the unconscious. And the unconscious is those place where we bury our desires. For Freud, they were often sexual desires, the Oedipal complex, um, things that are too dark for us to name to other people. Those are the depths that have to be excavated by psychoanalysis. It is striking, and I think this would be true, that for Freud, if there were no darkness, there would be no depths. Because the depths, the deep dark places are where we hide the things that are unacceptable even to ourselves. But for God, you see, there are depths in your soul that are unimaginably good. And partly, too, they become unconscious, not because you are afraid of revealing them to other people, but because over time they simply become so apparent and so clearly and deeply the sane way to live that you no longer think about them. The left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. That's a deep person. Who am I in my depths? Dallas writes, maybe the first thing that comes to our attention when we get to know their inner life is what they think about or what is on their mind. What is that? Simply stated, they think about God. He is never out of their mind. They love to dwell upon God and upon his greatness and his loveliness as brought to light in Jesus Christ. They adore him in nature. I'll look around me at this tree. It is so good. Who would think that up? I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. They adore him uh, in history, in his son, in his saints. One could even say they are God intoxicated. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. though no one has a stronger sense of reality and practicality than they do. Their mind is filled with biblical expressions of God's nature, his actions, and his plans for them in this world. They do not dwell upon evil. It is not a big thing in their thoughts. Oh, I like that. They are sure of its defeat. 
but they still deal with it appropriately in specific situations. Because their mind, now listen to this, because their mind is centered upon God and oriented with reference to him, all other good things are also welcome there. How much there is to think about for a mind that is rooted in God. I'm so far away from this, but when I read these words, I think I know there is at least a part of me that wants this. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever is pure, as Paul writes, that's what's there. They are positively, realistically so, based upon the nature of God as they understand it. In other words, mental health as a foundation. There is a reason why suicide is wrong. There is a reason why it is seen to be delivered from depression, and that reason is God and his character and his strength feelings. And then we notice, and small wonder given what has already been observed, that the emotional life of these children of light is deeply characterized by, anybody want to guess? Bueller, Bueller, love. That is how they invest the emotional side of their being. They love lots of good things, and they love people. They love their life and who they are. They are thankful for their life, even though it may contain many difficulties, even persecution and martyrdom. They receive all of it as God's gift. Because of what they have learned about God, they are confident and hopeful, and here it is, and do not indulge thoughts of rejection, failure, and hopelessness because they no better. So now today, what do I want to indulge? You know, there is another dimension to indulgence. There is a kind of a good indulgence. If you have been a workaholic your whole life long, the Sabbath will be indulgence. To rest in God is a kind of indulgence. If you're a performance junkie or approval addict, then just grace, just God loves me. There's a kind of an indulgement. Solitude is a kind of an indulgement. So now today, because of what we have been learning about God, I do not indulge thoughts of rejection, failure, and hopelessness. Not because I'll get in trouble or because I'm not supposed to, because I know better because of who God is. So those birds can fly around, can't stop them from flying, don't have to feel guilty about seeing those birds, but they don't get to build a stupid nest in my stupid hair. I have better, I have better thoughts to indulge. So now today, beginning right now, indulge yourself in God's love. Indulge your soul in his rest. Indulge your heart in his peace. There are wonderful additional truths to learn about children of light, and I want to be one. So I'll talk about them more next time.